Hello and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at it from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about vicarious traumatization, which is a fancy way of saying that... Working with clients who have trauma is difficult, and if you are empathetically connecting with someone who has been traumatized and you are trying to facilitate their healing journey through their traumatic experiences, that it takes a toll on you as a person, that that contact with it can be dysregulating. It can bring up stuff about yourself. It can bring up fears and a lack of hope in the world in general. And working with trauma is difficult, regardless of the modality that you're using. But I wanted to bring it up in the context of play therapy, because as play therapists, we are often going to encounter difficult things that are living inside of the children that we see. And we are going to also encounter a dynamic range of the human experience. I have limited talk therapy experience with clients. I have some with adults and some with teenagers and have done plenty of my own therapy and can find that some sessions with talk therapy can be dark and can be sticky and can be difficult. Talk therapy is a way to access yourself, to access your experience of life, to reconnect to reality, to reconnect to your values, to work through repressed emotions from the past. But sometimes talk therapy can also be done on a conscious level. When we talk, we're conscious often of the things that we're saying. We put things into words. We can spin in thought cycles for long periods of time or talk about nothing or talk, you know, talk has a way of sometimes avoiding deeper and stickier things. It can be even a vehicle for deflection or a vehicle for blocking access to experience. And I say that to say that in our play therapy sessions, we of course have many, many, many sessions, even with traumatized clients, though they certainly have an energy to them. When someone has been traumatized as a child, they have an energy to them that is taxing, even if you're not focused on the trauma, which is why I wanted to do this podcast on vicarious traumatization. But in general, in our play sessions, we have sessions that are mild, that are light, that can be funny, that can be breezy, that can be um, enjoyable. Not that we're still not working, we're working. Not that we're still not naming what's happening, summarizing elements, tracking body states, naming feelings when that's appropriate. We're doing all of that play therapy stuff to name what's happening inside of the room and name what's coming out of the child inside of the play and providing a framework for the play, holding the structure of the play. We still we still do all that, but a session can be light. But if we're dealing with something that's still living inside of a child from an experience of the past that where there's a lot of pain and they've been traumatized in some way, and we hit on that trauma with them in session, that can be a very deep, dark, and difficult thing for us to work through. 
Let's say you're playing out a scenario with a child and you come to find that you have taken on a role inside of the play. Um, The child has decided that you are role-playing and you're role-playing a scenario and the role that you've taken on is, ooh, obviously to you, the role of the child. And then this child could start having difficulties. Maybe the child has taken on the role of the abuser, aggressor, perpetrator, causer of pain, whatever. And you are now living out this scenario where you are embodying a person who has experienced trauma. You are giving responses as a person who has experienced trauma. You are attempting to even mold your body inside of that, inside of that play that you're doing, and your face and your muscles and all of your being. You are trying to embody this person for the purposes of recreating this scenario to returning to this thing that has happened before. And of course, inside of this, you're using your stage whisper like, what should I say? Or whatever it is to communicate when needed. You can't be your own actor inside of this. You can't imprint your own idea of what you think this is inside of the play. But you're participating and you're taking on this role. And that's a different kind of thing. Even then talking with someone about their trauma. It's one thing to make space for someone to communicate about their trauma and talk therapy. It's one thing to empathize with someone and talk therapy when they are going to a place of returning to difficult feelings. It's another thing entirely to embody in your physical being what it's like to experience that pain. And not just to experience that pain, but like What has that pain done to me? What has it done to my psyche? What has it done to my thinking? I am being you. And I am being you because you have made me you in this scenario. This is me speaking to the child. Like the child has decided that we are going to be them. And they might not even be fully aware of what they're doing, but they want to see it. And they want to be on the other side of it. And they want to know this whole thing. And we're helping them do that, and we're facilitating that process. When I have a session like that, afterwards I often maybe do a little shake or something, especially if I have someone I have to see right afterwards. It's, uh, they talk about it in somatic psychology, how, like, I guess, like, if a lion's chasing a gazelle, and then the gazelle is no longer being chased, it's escaped, it'll do, like, a little shake afterwards. It's shaking off the experience. Um, you know, the phrase shake it off doesn't come from nowhere. And I find that after sessions like that, I have to find some way to name for myself that I was doing that in that moment. And I've still got some residual gunk from experiencing that with the child in the session. And I've got to find a way to, to reset a little bit and not just for the person I'm seeing next, but for myself, I trust but that when the next person comes into the room, that I'll be able to put all those other things aside. But if I don't shake it off, then I'm just repressing that inside myself. I'm putting that emotional gunk into me. That could stick somewhere inside of me without my being aware of it. Like I have to honor what happened as we're moving on to what happens next. It's also common for children in session to be doing a role play scenario of their trauma and have you be 
the person who is, say, one of the aggressors in the situation? Have you be a person who has caused them pain in some way? And that can happen just with children who have um, experienced pain of any kind. It doesn't have to be trauma. But the ones that are trauma certainly have a a weight and a gravity to them and more of a discomfort, at least on my part, of playing that other role. But needing to embody that role in some way because that's what's happening and that's where the child has led us and I trust that they have led us here for a reason and I don't want to let them down now. They have said to me, I can handle it, so I want to be able to handle it too. But taking on that other role of the aggressor, that doesn't feel very good either. That's also a hard place to be. That's a different kind of difficult on our end than taking on the role of the child. And that traumatic energy can be present in other different kinds of things that we play, right? If you mean a child could be making art and it can have an intensity to it, a child can be doing a dollhouse scene and just walking characters around and having things happen and that has an intensity to it. And what's interesting about the whole thing to me is that when a child is doing traumatic play and I'm using Eliana Gill's book about post-traumatic play, which is really, really good as some information on this one, that post-traumatic play in general is flat and has low affect and it's just doing the same thing over and over again and in a cycle. Someone who is in post-traumatic play is stuck and it makes me realize that I, I would like to do a podcast on post-traumatic play, but that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about vicarious traumatization. And when that post-traumatic play is happening, we might not actually be experiencing too much vicarious traumatization. They're stuck in this thing that does not include their emotions that connect them to the reality of their experience. They're trapped inside of this cycle because there is a disconnect between them and really being aware and connected to the reality of what happened. They have separated from the reality of what happened and like for good reason, right? These are difficult things that happened. Perhaps the child is in an environment where they do not receive the emotional support necessary for them to be able to move through it. So then what choice does a person have in this world but then to repress it and try to move on? But they haven't been able to move on because repressed things still stay and live inside of us regardless of how hard we try to pretend that they don't exist. So if someone's actually doing post-traumatic play, then we're not experiencing vicarious traumatization. Probably. At least I don't, because those emotions aren't being hit on. It is the times when those emotions are out and raw, and a child is is really inside of their yucky, sticky, emotional stuff that they have inside that we are at the most risk for carrying some of that forward. And that's a road that can lead to burnout. And burnout then would be our own lack of ability to connect to the emotional reality of the people and children we see anymore because we have too much gunk inside of us and we don't actually have space for what this person, this child is coming in with. We're done. Dealing with vicarious traumatization as a play therapist feels really important. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mentioned shaking it off and that could be that's helpful for me. I've heard about people who like, you know, if you have a sink available, like wash their hands and have like a mantra that they say to themselves after a particularly hard session. Sometimes I'll make abstract art after a session and that can feel like it is and I, I treat it like it is me outletting my emotions 
externalizing them onto paper, creating with them, and then looking at what I've made and being able to have a relationship to it instead of just throwing it back in. Being able to see all of its stickiness and maybe catch some nuances in what I made that I wouldn't have caught otherwise to understand it better. Santray can be effective for that as well in terms of at the end of a day, if you do have a sand tray, making a sand tray with an intention in mind or without an intention in mind, and just getting a chance to outlet your unconscious and seeing what comes out and being able to look at it and being able to leave it there and not take it home with you and then not take it to bed with you and then not take it around with you when you wake up the next day. I think it can be easy for us, or at least easy for me, to get into routines where we don't do that, where we don't take our own sanity and wholeness and our own unconscious seriously at the end of a day. We just want to get home. At least I just want to get home. Or I just want to go do something else. Like, I'm, I'm often ready to be done. But building in some kind of a ritual or routine where you're either intentionally taking off what you were just in, saying something to yourself like, this is something I say to myself, and it may sound corny, but like, I hold you in my heart, but I can't hold your situation. And then sort of like putting my hand on my chest and then, you know, letting go and trying to let go of whatever that sticky thing is. Like, I can still hold them as a person, and that doesn't feel dysregulating to me. To continue to care about someone whose wholeness and happiness I'm invested in. But holding on to the situation can feel toxic. There's nothing to do about the situation unless they're in front of you. And when they're in front of you, the only thing to do is to accept them and hold what they are bringing in and to make space for them and their feelings and to walk with them through it. There's nothing we can do when they're outside of session. Maybe... No, there's nothing. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can plan your sessions. You can spend some time conceptualizing your clients. You can add to your toolbox. You could bring a particular thing for that client. That's all great. But I don't think that holding their situation actually helps that process at all. And I could be wrong about all of that. <laughs> I tried to look up uh, play and vicarious traumatization on Google before making this podcast and like wasn't able to really find anything. It's like no one else has written about this thing. And maybe for talk therapists, it's just as hard as for play therapists. And if you're someone who's a talk therapist who works with traumatized clients all day, like props to you. I hope you take very good care of yourself. You're a needed person in this world. And I wouldn't want to say that seeing children necessarily means we would struggle more with vicarious traumatization. But I do think that that play space that we get into with kids provides opportunities to take on that stuff because we're a participant in the drama of their lives on a deeper level, in a more complex level than simply talking with someone about something. And what's theirs is clearly theirs and what's ours is clearly ours and I think when we get into that role playing we do have to take on a character in such a way that it can be more of a full body experience it inhabits all of us to be to, to do that and to participate in the theater of their lives in that way and I I personally find it more intense and another thing that I say to myself that gives me some hope and appreciation for what's happening in those sessions that do feel more dark. All that emotion got to exist in the room. All that stuff that they have living inside of them got to be out. And it was hard because their life has been hard. But that stuff being out 
is a necessary part of their own individual road towards being whole again. If we're taking home stuff at the end of the day, it's important for us to look at, of course, like what it is that we're taking home because that's individual to us. That could tell us something about our own lives and our own story. If you find yourself being in a position where you're taking home things a lot, where you're really struggling in your work with children because you feel, whether it's so sad for them or angry for them or afraid for them, it's worth taking a look at why that is. I mean, again, what we take home says something about us. And the reality of the situation is that bad things are happening to children everywhere, all the time. Everywhere, all the time. And when we get to see someone in session who has had something bad happen to them, that's a privilege. We're just in closer contact to the bad things. We can all forget about those bad things when they're not happening. And if that place is hard to hold because you're taking home stuff with you, it's... you know, I would get some therapy or supervision. I I've, I have to get therapy and supervision to figure out, like, what what is that? What is that hitting inside of me? I started that by trying to say that, you know, when we are taking home stuff, there is that first category, right, of taking a hard look at it. And that's probably more important than the second thing I'm going to say. But the second thing I was going to say is that means that big things came out in session today. There were emotions in our sessions today. And we can shake it off and we can do a sand tray and we can make an abstract painting or we can get some consultation or we can go for a run or whatever it is that you like to do to get back to you at the end of the day of being a therapist. But we can be proud that there was all that emotion in the room, that the child felt comfortable to go to those places. We just got to take care of ourselves if we're having hard sessions and when we're having hard sessions and when we're working with children who have trauma. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. All of that good stuff helps the show get more reach. And I've also got a website up. It is barnettchildtherapy.com. And there you can find, let's see, an episode list, uh, therapy services for children in the Asheville area, consultation services for play therapists, both local and remote. Um, So yeah, check it out. As always, feel free to contact me if you want to. I love hearing from people, and yeah, see you next time.